this segment that we call Happy Facts, we bring in our two favorite happiness contributors from Live Happy Magazine, our section editor, Chris Libby. Good to see you. And our science editor, Paula Phelps. Paula, how are you? Doing great. How are you? Just fine. What we do is we take our three facts that we found about positive psychology from the past week, share them, and then discuss them in uh, limited detail, and then invite you to go to livehappy.com and check out Paula's blog, which does dive into more detail and studies on these facts. And we do it in no, really no order at all. So let's start this week with Paula's fact. Paula. Oh, it's just like science class. I always got called on. <laughs> That's why you're a science editor now. See, it works. <laughs> Pressure. Okay, my fun fact for this week is that pain bills makes you happy. I'm going to have to sort of disagree with you there. <laughs> the first of many I quibbles. <laughs> it has a marketing spin on it, uh, honestly. Uh, yeah, it's not the pain bills per se that makes you happy, but there's a new study that shows that getting rid of your debt truly affects your levels of happiness. And I thought this was interesting because we all know that we're happier when we're not stressed out about finances. But this study really makes that connection about how being in debt weighs on you yeah. frequently. Yeah, it really does. As, speaking as someone who has been in debt in their lives because I went to college uh, and have had a <laughs> negative bank balance in my life because, again, I went to college uh, – I can tell you that as soon as you make that payment that gets you out of it or as soon as your bank balance hits zero again from the negative numbers back to zero, the weight that is lifted off your shoulders, you feel like you can do anything. And then you go right back out and spend yourself into the hole again. But for a few minutes, <laughs> it feels really, really good. <laughs> that sense of accomplishment has got to be, like you said, I mean, I've never experienced it. It'll probably be a long time before I do. But well, <laughs> sorry, Mr. Scholarship winner. We can't all get out. No, I mean, I haven't experienced making that last payment. Oh, okay. <laughs> I've been making payments for a long time. So it's got to be a huge relief. Plus, you've got kids, so you're going to probably yeah. pay off your debt by about 21, 23. That's yeah. my projected year. Well, and I thought it was really interesting because, you know, a couple weeks ago, Chris was talking about the, the association between income and happiness. Mm -hmm. So it's it's interesting to think about what role does debt play in that? And maybe we give it a second thought before we start spending because we all like to buy stuff. But then that's a good point. Well, I wonder if I wonder if those income levels that you talked about where it's like, what, seventy five thousand dollars in some places, that's kind of where the annual income or the benefits of each individual dollar stop. Would it be even lower if debt were completely eliminated for everybody in this magical unicorn world that I'm inventing? <laughs> you know, I don't I'm not sure if they included debt or not in that number. But from what that what they say with that basic number is once your needs are met. So once you're able to pay your bills and live comfortably. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't take into account, I guess, those extra expenditures. So. You may have to may have may have to may have to do some math, and that's yeah. that's not why I got into radio. Ooh, wrong, wrong group. <laughs> that's that's not why <laughs> we chose this profession. But if we do take a, a minute to uh, step back and realize some of these material things, do we actually need them? Do, do we need to fill up our house with all of these things instead of using the money for like experiences and stuff like that? That'll hashtag experiences, not things. Yeah. But I do like that 100-inch TV so I can experience <laughs> college football season in a whole new way. <laughs> right, let's move on to our second fact. And since I'm being lazy this week, our second <laughs> fact is Chris Libby's. <laughs> Thank you. My fact is uh, playing on the swings can actually make us better people. 
I can't believe I'm about to disagree with your fact as well. Because when I was a kid, it was a fight over who got the good swing. And then if you didn't, you were mad for the rest of the day. Yeah. Well, well, I always got the good swing, so I never had that. <laughs> well, again, I'm sorry, Miss Trackstar. We couldn't all be the fastest to recess. <laughs> but how does this work? Well, this uh, study that came out in the Journal of Experimental uh, Child Psychology recently found that the synchronous movement on the swings when you're swinging with I don't know when's the last time you went swinging. Oh, man. <laughs> 1999? Uh, well, <laughs> I have a kid, so for me it was like yesterday. Yeah, but, you were... <laughs> <laughs> but it's when you're in that movement together, you're in sync, mm-hmm. uh, you're connecting, you, uh, you're feeling, you're engaged with this person, you're feeling like this other person. So you're on the same wavelength almost, almost like being in flow. But, I mean, uh, they found out when kids do this, act in this way, they're more agreeable, they communicate, they're, they have a lot of pro-social behaviors like cooperation. Interesting. Yeah. And it's not like even being part of a team. You're just like swinging at the same time. Mm-hmm. What if you were in sync with NSYNC? Would that make you that much happier? Uh, through the roof. I would imagine. Paula, why do you think this is? Well, what really struck me about this is how much it parallels the studies on children making music together. Mm-hmm. And it's all about oh. that synchrony. Mm-hmm. And what happens in synchrony is that the children have to start paying attention to one another. They start looking at what they're doing. They start mirroring one another. And so you, mm. you really start syncing up with the other person first out of need to do so, but then it becomes an interest situation. Um, so you so you really start focusing on that other person. And again, we always go back to that social connection, and that's what you're creating. Yeah. You, the, this study also found that you were more likely to reach a common goal, work together, and like other opportunities for in sync activities include music, dance, like she said, dance, play. Yeah, yes, those are in sync activities. <laughs> Very good. Do they have Backstreet Boys? Like how does how do how, they do, how do the Backstreet Boys and swings work? Yeah. <laughs> Let's move on to our third and final fact. And I'm cautious about this one because I think there are dangers with this, possibly. But thinking about the good old days can make you more optimistic for the good new days. And essentially, the study was, and it was done by a couple different places, uh, Tilburg University, University of Missouri, and uh, the University of Surrey. They did several different studies, one of which was uh, people had to write about just a mundane event, or they had to write about an event that, that filled them with nostalgia. And the people who wrote about nostalgic events use more optimistic words and all these kinds of things. And then they uh, did another study where they had someone listen to what they called a control song, which they, I guess, scientifically studied to show that it wasn't going to make anybody nostalgic. And then they played songs that were designed to make you nostalgic. And they kind of got people to talk about how optimistic or pessimistic they were about the future. And if they listened to the nostalgic song... They were more optimistic. So I, I guess if you're thinking about the past more, you're more uh, ready to face the future. But what I caution here is that it doesn't become, as our good friends at Comedy Central put it, member berries, <laughs> where you just sit around and talk about how great the good old days were, that you never make any progress on the good new days. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I get it. The you're essentially you're taking a mental time travel and something's triggering that. And back to you're thinking about a positive time in your mm-hmm. life uh you know our sense of smell can do the same thing right you can smell something that takes you right back and those you know and then you're more likely to want to reciprocate that behavior in the future 
in, right. in my opinion, from what I was taking from it. But, I mean, you can get into this thing where you do attach too much to memories in a good and bad way. But um, yeah. uh, when you get too attached, uh, that's what they, like in a negative way, they say ruminating on some stuff that's already happened in the past. Right. But, I mean, they're they're called the good old days for a reason. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's fun. It's fun to think about, you know. And then then it also says that it improves your sense of self worth when Mm -hmm. you can remember the good times. Paula, remember remember the first time you studied this? Wasn't that great? What What did you think of then? I remember that. I remember. Uh, You know what I mostly remember is last week when we were talking to Jamie Kurtz and she was talking about travel experiences, and one of the things that she brought up is. One reason we love looking back on our vacations is because we tend to remember things fondly. We put on the rose-colored glasses when we're looking backward. And so when you start looking at it from there, um, we're looking back and, like, we're remembering, what, high school prom, and it was perfect. Mm. But then if you were back there at the time, it wasn't as perfect as as you remember. Yeah, no, not at all. (laughs) Yeah, you've kind of rewritten history a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And... And I think that's that's really important, too, that we do look back and we do look at it more fondly. And then to think that that actually is benefiting us because it's, you know, uplifting us and making us a little bit more optimistic about where we're going. Very true. But again, I worry that people are going to be like, ah, remember the 1930s when no one had money? Oh, I remember. And then we end up having no money again because we thought it was so great to go back uh, to that. Remember well, the beginning well, then of the segment? Well, you won't have debt. You won't have the stress of debt. That's true. That's true. <laughs> mm-hmm.